a florist's code, brother. It's not HIPAA. Yeah. We're not talking about someone's <laughs> medical information. Happy Valentine's Day. I hope you're I don't even know what to <laughs> say. Like what do people do on Valentine's like I hope you have like a nice night in planned or maybe like you're gonna go out somewhere or you're just gonna watch a classic movie you love. Maybe you'll sound like a 13-year-old boy on the mic like <laughs> me. Maybe you have butterflies in your stomach, maybe you have a beautiful night of of self-care plans, maybe a night hanging with friends, whatever your plans are. We hope they're good. It's nice, I think, to just have something to do mm-hmm. during Valentine's Day, even if it's not romantic. Yeah. Or like do like a Galentine's Day or like a brunch or something. I don't know. It's always just nice to have a little plan ready for yourself. Yeah, definitely. Some of my favorite like memories in college were all of our annual Galentine's <laughs> trips to the theater to watch the new Fifty Shades of Grey movie as they came out. Oh, yeah. Out. <laughs> we got lucky with that timing, mm-hmm. I think, like the fact that they came out while we were in college. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you don't have any plans, this is my recommendation. Mm-hmm. You go to an Italian restaurant, you get the penne alla vodka. Yep. <laughs> and then you go to the movies with your little like flask of whatever alcohol and you put it into your icy that's the way to do it tried and true (laughs) we we can vouch for that for sure (laughs) yeah i actually went to a movie theater uh, a couple weeks ago where they sold alcoholic slushies and honestly it was a great deal because a single shot was 750 i think for the slushie okay and then a double was like $11. I was like, well, obviously I'm getting a double. And it was it like- It would be a financial <laughs> maldecision yeah. not to get the double shot. Yeah. And it was like half the cup was vodka. And I was like, wow, this is great. I'm never going to any other movie theater <laughs> ever again as long as I live. Was it like a small movie theater? Yeah, it was really small. Nice. So nice. I had a I had a double watermelon vodka slushie to go see after sun. So it was <gasps> Oh my god. It was an emotion time. Yeah. <laughs> I still have to see After Sun, but I know like that's like an emotional tumultuous movie. Yeah. It's good though. <laughs> oh my god. Um speaking of new movies before we jump into this one, I just last night watched the well as the time of recording this, it was brand new. Mm-hmm. The brand new Reese Witherspoon Ashton Kutcher movie. <gasps> Your place or mine. Is it streaming or? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Okay. I'm curious to hear people's thoughts. I feel like it lacked in both the ROM and the COM <laughs> because the leads have like one scene where they're actually in the same place. And even like while they're apart for the majority of the movie, they barely talk. So I'm just like, can we get some more scenes with like the two fucking leads? Please. Right. <laughs> like, I'm going to need you to cultivate the relationship if I'm expected to care about it. Yeah, like it's not enough for you to just say, we've been best friends for 20 years. Show me that because I'm not right, not seeing it. it. I feel like it just was too safe. They didn't take enough risks mm. and it was just, it wasn't bad. There was like some things that I liked about it. Like it actually has a yeah. lot of like long scenes of dialogue, which is what we've kind of been missing lately. Agreed. 
some some you know nice little character development but yeah it just they didn't they didn't take it far enough they need to learn from my favorite slow burn friends to lovers movie love rosie oh from that one that one's sad yeah i will say like <laughs> i was like i'm devastated mm-hmm. but Today we have a movie that has no acclaim. Um, <laughs> lots of money was made, but unfortunately it's lacking in the actual quality department. Mm-hmm. And that is the 2010 Razzie favorite, <laughs> Valentine's Day. Yep. You guys voted. This was your pick. And as a special treat, <laughs> we got a, a day early release. You guys chose it. <laughs> It was your fault we had to watch it now. <laughs> no, no. I actually like – well, I haven't watched it in years, but I did watch it quite a Same. bit growing up. And I remember really liking it when it came out because I was like mm-hmm. 14. So great yeah. at the time. On the rewatch, not as good of a movie, that's for sure. I mean, I was excited to just see Taylor Swift. I loved seeing Taylor Swift cameos when yeah. I was younger. I also just like – like I had her albums like mm-hmm. physical I think I own a physical copy of like Taylor Swift like her yeah. first album yeah I mean it was the era where she was writing 13 on the back of her hand mm-hmm. like this for the speak now and fearless tours and stuff yeah and um I was like I'll watch it just for her honestly <laughs> shall we get into the numbers let's get into the freaking numbers because they're outrageous yeah <laughs> so the budget for Valentine's Day was 52 million doll hairs oh my and God. they made 216.5 million in the box office like are you kidding insane i just remember the hype around this movie being so huge because the cast is like crazy town everybody in hollywood is in it it's at the point right. where it's like if you weren't in valentine's day like your agent must have fucked up or something because <laughs> everyone is in this movie <laughs> yeah but i think that is what really contributed to this this box office success because the movie itself got really bad reviews. I could not find a single positive one. Mm -hmm. The one that made me laugh that I think is the funniest (laughs) is British film critic Mark Kermode called the film a greeting card full of vomit. I love his uh, syntax there. Yeah, really, really (laughs) painting a picture with those words. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. The craziest I think we both agree that this is like the craziest fact of the movie. So we found out that um Julia Roberts was paid about twelve thousand for each word she says in the film. She has about two hundred and fifty one words. So she was paid like three million dollars. And on top of that, her contract also had her in for 3% of the film's gross, which, as we know, is fucking massive. So she walked away with almost $10 million. <laughs> Rob them. Rob yeah. them, Julia. <laughs> Get your bag, queen. Yeah, they made you do this. Fu- You're an Academy Award winning actress, and they made you do this fuck shit movie. <laughs> Get your bag. And the worst part is, is so many people turned down this role yeah. before her. So they also offered it to Jennifer Aniston, Sandra Bullock, and Jodie Foster. And they all said no. But Julia was like, you know what? <laughs> I got some time on my hands. I'll sit on a plane with Bradley Cooper for a couple days. Bang out my scenes. Yeah, and honestly, 
I think she got the best part of the movie, right? Because oh, sure. she's yeah. just working one-on-one with Bradley and like they're doing it up. Yeah. She has the best storyline. Hers is the only one that made me feel anything. Oh, yeah. I liked the uh, Shirley MacLaine, Hector Elizondo moments. Yeah. But it definitely wasn't as like gut-wrenching as the Julia Roberts moment with yeah, her son. Totally. Rachel McAdams and Elizabeth Banks auditioned for the role of Morley which was played by Jessica Alba. Mm-hmm. But there's like most of the quote unquote fun facts for this movie are just like, oh, this person auditioned or like this person was in a movie with this person. Yeah. And this is a reference to this movie. And it's like, okay, we get it. They're, they're all celebrities already. Yes. Yeah. And because it is a Gary Marshall film, of course, there are lots of references to his other work. We have a lot of the same actors who have worked in his other movies. Yeah. But I think Pretty Woman is probably the most referenced one in this because that's also set in L.A. So mm-hmm. obviously there's a scene at the Beverly Wilshire, which is where Richard Gere was staying. We have like a, a very similar shot where Anne Hathaway is sitting on a bench in the same way that julia roberts was yeah so mm-hmm. stuff like that classic gary <laughs> gary and then he comes in with like a three-piece fucking band yeah. at the end too he's like i gotta do my little movie cameo oh always i actually never even noticed until this watch around that he makes that cameo <laughs> i don't know why i never looked at the man standing directly in the middle of the frame anyways <laughs> before we get into it We just want to remind you that right now on Patreon Live is our Pride and Prejudice episode. So if you're looking for a little Mm -hmm. extra love and romance this month, you're going to want to go check it out. It's a long episode. We got three and a half hours of content for you. Oh, yeah. So feel free to uh, check out our Patreon, see if you might be interested. And with that being said, should we just shoot the Cupid's arrow right (laughs) into it? Let's freaking do it. So we hear the radio voice of Romeo Midnight. Hey there, all you sleepy Angelinos. A good, good morning to you. It's your buddy, Romeo Midnight. I know. I'm the voice you normally listen to in the middle of the night. But today is special, Los Angeles. It's my favorite day of the year. Today is Valentine's Day. And that's why I'll be here all day and all night playing those songs you love and the songs you love to love, too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why they start the movie with this, but I do find it to be really funny. I was like, okay, sure. They they have Romeo Midnight pop in and out like yeah. maybe three times. You would think it would be a stronger framing voice? device. That's a good question. I actually don't even know. It's probably somebody I didn't look it up. important. Let's see. Please hold. He's like, hey, all you cool cats out there <laughs> listening to 8100 FM. I'm going to play some freaky, funky, you know, heartfelt music tunes for you. And I'm like, all right, brother. Paul Williams, who is a composer, maybe the composer for the movie? Sure. Go off, Paul Williams. One would think that this would be more of a framing device, but it's only used like mm-hmm. two other times, like one time in the middle and then at the very end. It's just kind of yeah. like, oh. Yeah. Okay. But we will we will disclaim right now 
We're not using character names in this review. We yeah. are referring to everybody by their actor names mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's too much going on. It's just dude. easier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So after Romeo Midnight's introduction, we see just like a montage of people flirting in LA, people celebrating Valentine's Day, and the top celebs of 2010's names just flash across the screen like Julia Roberts, <laughs> Ashton Kutcher, Jessica Alba. Yes. So we then head over to our first storyline, which is between Ashton Kutcher and Jessica Alba. Mm-hmm. They are in bed together. She's sleeping. And he, next to her in the bed, quietly pulls out an engagement ring and walks over to her side of the bed. He takes her hand from like under the pillow, which is has a death grip on her Blackberry. Mm-hmm. And... uh takes that out of her hand that's when their dog barking wakes her up and jessica sees him kneeling at her bedside and he says that his dad gave him one piece of good advice if you ever find yourself with a girl who's too good for you marry her so he like pulls out the ring and i just want to note that she never says yes Exactly. Yeah. She never verbally says yes. Yeah. She kind of just goes with the flow. She's just like, wow. And then he just like slips the ring on her finger. And I'm like, buddy, first of mm. all, you didn't even like actually ask. And second of all, she never said yes. You just put that ring on her finger. Yeah. The line, you know, will you marry me? That's an important one. And then you got to get the yes or no back. That's a verbal contract right there. So... <laughs> Ashton then, like, throws open the front door of his house and yells, she said yes. No, she didn't. And uh, (laughs) she said nothing. (laughs) Across the street is uh, his neighbor slash business partner, George Lopez. Ashton walks up. They hug each other. He says, she said yes. And George Lopez is surprised that she said yes. And it's like, oh, um, that, that that's great for you. I'm so happy for you, buddy. So as they are getting into their flower van, because they are florists, uh, Ashton is just over the moon. He's like, and I propose today because I can be like a mushy, gushy little romantic all day long and nobody can say anything because it's Valentine's Day and everyone mm-hmm. is romantic on Valentine's Day. And that is when he almost hits another car and um, Joe Montagna then drives up behind the van and is like, get your head out of your ass. So happy day for the people of Los Angeles. They're like, oh, my God, juxtaposition. Some people love Valentine's Day. Some people well, hate it. it. My God. It's such a nuanced <laughs> narrative. So we go to the newsroom and Jamie Foxx walks in. And he goes up to Kathy Bates. He receives this script for a lifestyle piece. And he's like, I don't understand why you're giving this to me. I'm a sports journalist. And she's like, yeah, you're a number two sports journalist. So on slow days, you're going to be doing the pieces that I give you. And he's like, what if I do some like serious investigative journalism? But Kathy Bates is like, listen, it's a Valentine's Day. There's only one story. Jamie is just like, oh, Valentine's Day gives me acid reflux. It's not even a real holiday. So we went from a Valentine's Day lover to a Valentine's Day hater. And you will find this is a common theme through the whole film. Yep. (laughs) 
And Kathy's just like, listen, I need happy, romantic love from you. Like, go get him, Tiger. I don't know about you, but I I feel like I'm just very neutral on Valentine's Day. Like, I've always been single on Valentine's Day, but I've never been like, I hate this day. It's the worst day. Like, I'm just like, it's whatever. I don't know. I'm going to say that I do like it. Yeah. But I've had some bad experiences. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> But I do like to do something for it. Like I mm-hmm. I think it's just like a fun day to get that extra something yeah. for someone. Like if you want to give them a gift or like um, do something special for them. But I don't think you need to like go out to dinner. Like I would never be like, so like what are our plans? But it would be nice to just at least have it acknowledged or be given a card or something. Do you have any Valentine's plans this year? Um, no. <laughs> like I asked Phil to be my Valentine. Like I made mm. him like a cake and got mm. him some stuff. But we're not gonna do anything like crazy this year. Yeah. Probably just spend some time together. Yeah. It's nice. Wait, what are you doing on Valentine's Day? Uh nothing. <laughs> oh, it's before Matt gets there. Yeah, he actually gets here the day after. So we are going out for dinner. Um Okay, nice. We're going to like my favorite Italian place. And then we're just going to, like, come home and, like, oh, we're watching Moulin Rouge because he's never seen it before. (gasps) Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't hate it because it's my favorite movie. (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, gripping, like, the popcorn as you watch the movie looking over at him. Like, what the fuck is he thinking? Did you see that? Did you miss that? Let me rewind. Hang on. (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't think you understand the gravitas. I'm going to be, like, (laughs) sitting behind him holding his eyelids open so he doesn't miss a single second. Yeah, like clockwork orange. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, those are my Valentine's plans. <laughs> Barada and torturing my boyfriend. So, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Yeah. We then go to uh, the downtown flower market. Mm-hmm. We see all these different sellers. We have a lot of really great B roll, actually, in this movie. This movie. Full of B-roll. Full of B-roll. <laughs> pretty much between every main scene. And it's two hours long, so they really filled that out as much as they could. Impactful. But we see this flower market. Like, there's so many different sellers. Beautiful bouquets. Like, tons of stuff. Ashton Kutcher, he's on cloud nine, having the time of his life. He's, like, zooming through the market with his little cart. He's going to all his regulars, getting the various flowers that he needs. And uh, that's when he goes up to one of the sellers who he works with a lot, clearly. And he's like, oh, my God, Ashton, like, I'm going to be on TV. They're interviewing me for the news. It's Jamie Foxx. And Ashton tells him that Jessica Alba said yes, they're getting married. Again, another person who is very surprised that she said yes, but supportive. And I'm like, if you're noticing this is a trend, maybe reevaluate your situation. Mm-hmm. Ashton is like, yeah, I want to get her something really special, really unique, not just, you know, your classic roses. So this man hands him a silver box and says, don't open it until the perfect moment. And I can't help but feel like flowers dry in a box with no exposure to sunlight is the worst way I to keep them. I'm going to tell you my thoughts on the flower later. <laughs> okay. When, when it. The box is open, I'll tell you. Yeah. So we go back to Jamie Foxx, who is doing a report from the flower market, and he introduces Simon Fom, 
and he asks him how many red roses are sold on Valentine's Day. And Mr. Fom tells him the captain and Neil were married on Valentine's Day. And I really don't know what this is like a reference to or... Aren't the captain and Neil like a musical duo? I don't know. I, re- I didn't look it up, I'll be honest. Yeah, they were like a husband and wife team. So he says that and they ask him how many roses are sold again, but he is not like fluent in English. So Ashton like steps in and he's like, hey, 110 million roses are sold on Valentine's Day. And he's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a florist. I own Sienna Bouquet. Like they shake hands. Yeah, get that exposure. This is going to boost sales. Yeah. For reference, uh, Captain and Tennille did the song Love Will Keep Us Together. Oh, okay. So we then go to this very nice apartment where Patrick Dempsey, Dr. McDreamy himself, because this was like (laughs) Grey's Anatomy heyday, uh, he comes out of the bathroom tying his tie. He's juggling some apples when he tosses one of them to his GF, Jennifer Garner, She's like, okay, I guess you do have one flaw, your job. And he's like, well, I'm a doctor. Don't women like doctors? And she's like, yes, but you're always, you know, traveling for work. Oh, yeah, for work. Mm-hmm. And he says he's only going to be in San Francisco for one night. And she asks if somebody else can do the surgery just this time. Because, again, he's a heart surgeon. Well, I guess in Grey's Anatomy, he was a brain surgeon. But he is playing a surgeon once again. He says, no, he has to do it. But while he's fixing his patient's heart, maybe she can hold his and gives her a stupid little like one dollar wind up heart toy from CVS. And she loves it for some reason. So he kisses. Well, she's digmatized. That's why he kisses her and (laughs) has to go catch his flight. And she's like, I can't believe you're leaving me on Valentine's Day. But she does mention that her plans tonight are going to her friend uh, Jessica Beale's annual I Hate Valentine's Day dinner. Mm -hmm. And Patrick is like, well, what's there to hate about Valentine's Day? And she says, well, nothing if you're a handsome, rich, divorced doctor. But for women, it's kind of this cosmic bitch slap that reminds us of, you know, when we had braces and acne and we were in the marching band in high school. And nobody wanted saxophone. to. Yeah, nobody wanted to take us to the winter formal. And he's like, "Well, I would walk over cut glass to take you to the formal." And she says, "That's why you're my Valentine." So she goes into the bathroom, and on TV we can see Jamie Fox interviewing Ashton Kutcher, asking him if he still believes in love. And Ashton says, "Yes, love is the strongest force on the planet." And Patrick jots down. The address and number of Sienna Bouquet. Mm. So we go to Topher and Topher Grace, that 70s show. He is sleeping with Anne Hathaway. What a win. I agree. I'm like, <laughs> damn, good for you. Like you bagged that. Yeah. He kind of in I mean, in that 70s show too, he has like a tall, mm. like beautiful girlfriend. And he's just like a scrawny, like run-of-the-mill white boy. Classic. So Anne Hathaway like jumps on top of him and takes his picture with a Polaroid camera and they kiss and she's like, last night was amazing. You know, I used to be a gymnast. Hope I didn't hurt you. LOL. And she just keeps like taking these photos of Topher and he's like, I thought you wanted to be a poet, not a photographer. And she's like, can't a woman change her mind? 
that's how last night happened. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you really, with these transitions, you did something. Mm-hmm. And notices the time. And she's like, fuck, I'm so late. So she rushes to get dressed and runs out and lets Topher know there's coffee on the stove. He's like, I'm out of coffee. Like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I borrowed some from your neighbor who was surprised to see a woman here. She thought you were gay. Bye. I felt like at this point, given how leisurely they were acting in the morning, that this was like a weekend. But it is, in fact, a work day. And they both work at the same office. And if it's so early that he's surprised that she's rushing out and, like, he wants them to have breakfast, is it, like, 5 a.m.? What time is, like... (laughs) I don't know. Maybe, because maybe she's, like, I got to go, like, back to my house. Right, right. I don't know. In any case, she jets out of there. She gets on her little, little like, Vespa. Yeah, she do be having a vest, a Vespa. Yeah. She <laughs> rides for, like, five seconds before she answers the call in this, like, sexy, slinky voice. And she's like, oh, I was thinking about you all night long. My roommate just got home. Want to have a threesome? And, like, the whole time she's on this call... One of the neighbors is out, like, walking her dog. And so she goes up to Anne Hathaway. And <laughs> she's robe. Like, yeah. So she goes up to Anne Hathaway and she's like, if he says yes, it'll take me a minute to change. And Anne is like, LOL, and uh, continues with her her call. So what they are telling us here is that she is an adult phone entertainer. Uh, she has a little, a little side hustle going. Oh, yeah. She's making her bag. Yeah. So we – Switch over to Shirley McLean and Hector Elizondo. Shirley gets a gift from Hector and she's like, oh my God, we said we weren't doing gifts this year. And he's like, I know, I lied. Also, his gift is like a beautiful little tray with these fresh, like freshly cut roses from their garden and a Chanel perfume. And I was like, Hector, fucking pop off. You dog, you. Yeah, great gift. (laughs) She's like, oh, my God, I thought we weren't doing gifts. Like, well, lucky for you, I lied too. And I believe she gives him a calendar. It's a – I think it's a book. It's a Dodgers book. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's better. That's better. Okay. Then they go downstairs where their grandson, Edison, is making a Valentine's Day card. And Shirley tells Hector that today is hard for him because he used to make Valentine's Day cards with his mom. So Hector sits with his grandson. He's like, what are we going to have for breakfast? But Edison is like, I can't eat. I am lovesick. So we go back to Jennifer Garner. She is getting in the elevator. That's when she hears this voicemail from Ashton Kutcher asking him to call her back. They are BFFs, as we will learn. And then who gets in the elevator? Making her film debut, a young Taylor Swift, curly hair, 13 written on the hand, and a gigantic fluffy bear. Like, Mm -hmm. I cannot cannot stress this enough. (laughs) (laughs) How big this bear is. So she's like, oh, yeah, my boyfriend got this for me. He, like, texted me and said, look outside your door. And then I opened the door, but my boyfriend wasn't there. But then I looked down and this teddy bear was here. And Jennifer's like, ah, yes, the teddy bear. Okay, beautiful, amazing. Adorable. (laughs) Isn't that the most adorable thing? Ever and ever. (laughs) Yeah. And Taylor's like, okay, well, I'm going to go to school. I hope you get a lot of Valentines. Bye. (laughs) Meanwhile, on a plane somewhere, 
a captain wishes everyone a happy Valentine's Day. And I'm like, they don't do that on planes. No. And then <laughs> we see Bradley Cooper and Julia Roberts sleeping and sh- her head is leaning on his shoulder and they've just kind of conked out. Yeah. What could be going on there? Hmm. Oh, my God. So then we cut back to Sienna Bouquet. Jennifer walks into the flower shop. She's looking for Reed, Ashton Kutcher. And <laughs> she goes up to the counter and is like, hey, um, are you okay? And Ashton is like, yeah. Like, she said yes. And Jennifer <laughs> is shocked. She, like, hugs him and congratulates him, but she did not see this coming. And Jennifer tells Ashton about Patrick Dempsey, and she's like, he is the first decent guy I've dated in a while. So Ashton asks her if they're going to do anything tonight, but she's like, no, he's in San Francisco. He's, like, doing a surgery. And Ashton is like, I'm in love and I'm full (laughs) of bright ideas. Why don't you fly in and surprise him? And Jennifer is like, um... I don't even know where he's like staying. But Ashton is like, do it, do it. Like, you know, you don't think on Valentine's Day, you just do. And they kiss on the cheek, and he's like, get out of here, you stinking, lovesick puppy. <laughs> it's just unbelievable that he would say that to her. Yeah. No, his his character is not the brightest bulb in this right. in this movie, but I will right. say. Watching this and then also the other Ashton Kutcher movie last night, I never like before understood like the Ashton Kutcher thing. Maybe it's because I didn't watch that '70s show. Appeal, yeah, yeah. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. understand why everyone was so obsessed with him because my frame of reference for him was always that he was like the shitty boyfriend in Cheaper by the Dozen. So I just like never Mm -hmm. liked Ashton Kutcher. But after watching this and the other movie, I was like, I get it. I get, I get it, I got it. <laughs> he is endearing. Yeah, he is endearing. He has, he has a lot of charm. He is very good looking. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? He is. I understand. I understand the appeal now. Only took me twenty years. <laughs> but- <laughs> I always just think about him and Mila Kunis, and I'm like, damn, that's crazy. Like they're just two super gorgeous people mm-hmm. who met on the set of a show, and we're like, yeah, let's get married. Well, the wild thing is, I just saw. Uh, a clip about this last night because he's doing a lot of press mm-hmm. for this new movie so he's been going on a couple different podcasts and so as we know they met doing that 70s show but like right. they married other people like they were with other people for years and years but they always remained friends and then they reconnected like years later but the way that they actually got together so as we all know I think in like 2010 maybe 2011 they both did the same movie separately like he did no strings attached and she did friends with benefits and those came out in like the same year and neither of them knew that they were making the exact same movie and then Mm -hmm. the two of them ended up actually becoming friends with benefits and then living out the plots of their respective movies what the fuck where they caught feelings and then ended up dating and getting married that's crazy yeah wild wow so i mean go off like fuck yeah the more you know. It could happen to you. Maybe you and your friends with benefits. Yeah, it could happen to you. And <laughs> It probably um, won't, though, so please mm-mm. don't <laughs> don't allow yourself to go there. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> we then go outside the flower shop. Jennifer Garner calls Patrick Dempsey. 
But he's like, oh, babe, I'm just pulling into the airport right now. I'll call you when I land. But Mm-mm-mm. where is he really pulling into? Not the airport. His no. fucking mansion's driveway in Brentwood. We see him, like, stroll into his gigantic backyard, slip on his wedding ring. Nasty. His daughter is there at their beautiful little patio table is like, oh, did you fix all the broken hearts, daddy? And he's like, yes, I did. And then his super hot wife emerges from the pool. Oh, yeah. In a bikini. <laughs> yeah, looking. After having a kid, like. Yeah, so snatched. This woman had a kid years ago. <laughs> Insane. What the fuck? So she goes up to them and he's like, oh, yeah, my surgery went late. So I just stayed at the condo. So they also own this condo in LA, too. Like, mm-hmm. very successful. Yes. So he starts, you know, juggling some fruit as he loves to do. And she's like, uh, isn't daddy good at juggling? I'm like, mm-hmm. That's a weird line. Yeah. They were like, oh, this will be a funny dig, but it's a weird thing to say in real life. Yeah. So we go back to the plane and Bradley Cooper wakes up and the sun is just like shining in his eyes, but he doesn't want to move Julia Roberts off his shoulder. So he's like, oh, I know. And like, fucking maneuvers his leg (laughs) to try to close the window shade with his toes and as he's like just about to get it he has to kind of like reach out and really like get the shade closed and obviously wakes her up he's and she's like what the like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) and he's like sorry i was just trying to close the shade like my apologies and she apologizes to him he's like it's the least i could do you know it's a 14-hour flight That's when Bradley notices Julia is in a military uniform and he's like, oh, are you a lieutenant? And she's like, I'm a captain. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. And then he's like, how long have you been away? And she tells him 11 months and she's actually only visiting for tonight. She has to leave tomorrow. And Bradley's like, wow, that's quite a romantic gesture. Uh, Are you on Facebook? What's up? Classic 2010. Yeah. So we go back to Sienna Bouquet. Uh, we see this whole exchange where this Bulgarian woman has a very thick accent and the guy can't understand her. And then Ashton steps in and finds a man who speaks English with a Bulgarian accent. It's not important. Jessica Alba then it's comes in. It's literally not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She comes in, like Ashton gives her a big hug and is like, everyone, it's my fiance, my fiance. And they're like, hi. Ah. So he is over the moon. She then hands him his wallet because he forgot it at home. And when she hands it over, he notices that she is not wearing her engagement ring. And she's like, oh, yeah, I just like I didn't want to wear it to work because there'd be the nonstop questions of like, when are you getting married? How many bridesmaids? Kids? How many? Mm -hmm. And he just goes three just instantly. (sighs) And she's like. Anyways, I just think it would be easier if we kept it a secret. And that's when one of like the flower shop guys comes over and is like, oh, my God, it's the bride. My cousin is already going to do your wedding dress. Like, we have so much to discuss, blah, blah, blah. And Ashton is like, okay, I I understand why you want to keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But it's not. It's not fine. Yeah. There are clearly some unsaid issues going on between them. Mm-hmm. So Hector is driving um, Addison to school and he picks up the valentine that he made and he's like uh I see is this part of the problem and he's like I'm lovesick you know have you ever had like a, lo- a problem with the love 
And Hector's like, well, yes, I I met a beautiful girl studying to be an actress. And I walked right up to her. I opened my mouth and nothing came out. So she was like, hey, I'll meet you here at 630. Turns out it was grandma. Wow. And Edison like annoys the shit out of me. He's like, did your heart go like this? Boom, boom, (laughs) boom, boom, boom. And he's like, all righty. So I feel like they made him too old to be acting like this. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So they arrive at Santa Bouquet where Ashton is telling George Lopez not to dilly dally. And Edison just like throws his change on the counter. And he asks Ashton to send a dozen roses to a girl at his school with this musical card. And he like puts it down. And I'm like, okay, that could buy you one musical card. Mm-hmm. Ashton is a nice man. He's like, yeah, like, I'm going to put together a great bouquet for you. So Ashton asks him where they're going to be sent, and Edison is like, the foundling elementary school. During recess would be best. Edison leaves, and Ashton is like, what is up with the cutest kid ever? And he shorted me on a $55 arrangement. I think he gave him like $15. Yeah, he gave him $13. That's like over. <laughs> well, with a card too, it probably is like 40, 50 But yeah, yeah, yeah. So after like the graciousness that occurs, mm-hmm. Edison comes back in and he's like, um, can I get my receipt though? And Ashton is like, what did you get audited last year? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I was. They always get the good guys. I was like, that was was funny. I'll give them that. That was a good one. So we then go to a mailroom in an office where Topher Grace, he's talking to his friend about his night with Anne Hathaway. It was amazing. But then this morning she couldn't get out of there fast enough. And his friend is like, well, was there some uh, disappointment on her part last night? And Topher is like, no, I mean, it was fine. No, no, it's fine. It's great. It's fine. That's when another guy comes in with a bunch of, like, Valentine's Day flowers and arrangements. And Topher is like, holy shit, it's Valentine's Day. That's why she was acting so weird this morning. And his friends are like, well, do you have something planned? And he was like, how could I possibly have something planned when I am literally learning what it is right now? That's true. Also, like, that we find out later that they've only been dating for two weeks. So, like... I wouldn't expect anything for Valentine's Day after maybe two or three dates with somebody. That seems like a little bit too much pressure. Like I would say if they're getting along, maybe you like just get together and hang out. But yeah. like I wouldn't be expecting a dinner. I don't know. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> so we cut back to Anne Hathaway and she's talking to someone on the phone. And she's like, yep, um, I can do my lunch break and then right after 5 p.m. And she's like, yeah, I don't mind fetishes. Mm. So then we have fucking Queen Latifah walk in. Amazing. And Anne puts this call on hold. She introduces herself as the secretary subbing for Monica. And Queen Latifah is like, yeah, she took the day off. I guess she has a life. And Anne is just like, "Um, I I believe it was like a funeral. Mm. But (laughs) Queen Latifah tells her she knows what people say about her bipolar Paula. Don't call her that. She says that she has to figure some stuff out. One of her clients is in crisis mode. Basically, they need to figure out if he has an athletic career in his future. Anne is like, I am here to help. And Queen Latifah asks who she has on hold. And Anne lies. She's like, oh, it's my mom. And hangs up. 
and Queen Latifah is like, I admire you for hanging up on your mother. Like, maybe we will get along. Cold. Queen Latifah, you are too good for this movie. (laughs) 100%. We then meet Eric Dane. He is taking a run on the beach while a song I have not heard in years, Heartbreaker, plays in the background. He gets back to his gigantic beachside mansion, takes a shower. On TV, he hears a a news report about how um, his football career is kind of up in the air. It seems like his team is going to drop him. Like He lost the championship game last week. His contract is up. And he's also one of the oldest quarterbacks in the league. This is so unrealistic to me because I'm like – If you actually got your team to the championships, even if you were older, I do not think your team would drop you. Yeah. I mean, I know his contract is up, but like there are other players that are like less of an asset if they're Mm. trying to save money or they could even do like – sorry, this is like not important (laughs) to the plot. I just find it unrealistic. Well, they do say later on that like his team is chasing this younger guy. So they probably, he's probably like the highest paid player on the team. So if they drop him, Mm, then they can afford to, to give this guy a really good offer is probably the rationale, but I don't know anything about Mm. football. So don't ask me, (laughs) but Basically, the reporter questions, you know, if he will get another contract, if he'll be a free agent, or if he'll just, harsh, do everyone a favor and retire. Ouch. So we go onto the balcony where he sees some women doing yoga on the beach, and they're like, oh my god, Eric Dane, when are you going to come join us for a swim? And he's like... Oh, not today, sweetheart. I got a lot going on. And she's like, I'm running out of patience. And he's like, I'm running out of willpower. Mm. I got to go make a call. So Erica calls Jessica Beale and she tries to get off her treadmill. She's like running on this treadmill in her office, um, but she just fucking increases the speed. So she gets out and answers the phone and he's like, hey, they're running a media blitz on my career. Like... I'm paying you a lot of money to like be my PR bitch. And, you know, I get it. It comes with the territory, but I need to make sure you're doing something about it. And she's like, yep, I have a press release standing by. Like, tell me if you need anything else. And he says that he wants her to come to the meeting he has scheduled with his agent in an hour. And Jessica looks at her I hate Valentine's Day dinner evite. And zero people have RSVP'd. So pretty devastating. Mm. And Jessica is silent and Eric is like, hey, you got, you got the reception over there? And she's like, yep, yep, I'll be at the meeting. But she's clearly going through a hard time. Yeah. Oh, the days of the Evite. I know. What we have really lost in like the death of Facebook is the ability to plan and invite people to events in a organized, streamlined way. And I'm going to need like another social media platform to hop on that, fill that void. Like you would think Instagram would create some sort of event feature. Right, right. Well, have you used Partyful? Yeah, but because it's like a third party thing, I just feel like it's it's not not part of social media. It's not like top of mind. I agree. Whereas if you like had a, a calendar function on Instagram or something, like you would be more so kept abreast to various events that you're supposed to go to. 
but mm-hmm. somebody needs to hop on that and uh yeah feel the gap in the marketplace <laughs> yeah because it's also like like yeah the third party aspect of it so if you text someone like i've texted someone it, like the the fucking invite mm-hmm. and they won't rsvp but yeah. they're going yeah it's just like you don't think about clicking in because you know maybe they'll text back and be like yeah yeah of course i'll be there and it's like okay but you know, I got to know how much food to make. I got to yes. know how many people are coming. It's like has to be all in one place. Yeah. And people are more so like held – accountable is like too strong of a word. But they're more likely to like actually follow through if they have to RSVP to something. Yeah. Then if they just like casually are like, oh, yeah, I'm coming. They're more likely to flake if they haven't like clicked a mm-hmm. yes, I'm going and they're on a guest list and stuff like that. Right. So. And the benefit of Facebook, too, was always just being able to see who was going. So you're like Mm – I mean, we would go to fucking – I'm cursing so much (laughs) recording. But we would go to a party in college and be like, oh, my God, is this guy, like, going to be there? Like, who's on the fucking guest list, you know? Right, right. And then there's also a place to, like, post all the photos if you want to or whatever. Or be like, oh, somebody left this behind. If this is anybody, Uh like – Exactly. And you can't – this also sucks with Partyful. It's like, yeah, I'm texting people or I'm like sending it out, whatever. Mm. I can't keep track of who I've sent it to if the person I've sent it to hasn't responded. Oh. You know, there's no like – Yeah. There's no invited versus right. RSVP. Yeah. I mean, maybe if I did it on – like if I used – if I uploaded my contacts onto Partyful, maybe. Maybe. But if I'm just texting someone the invite, it's not going to be like, you texted Jack. Yeah. And asked him to come. Yeah. So if there are any uh engineers out there, let's get on it. Let's uh let's make something happen. Yeah. <laughs> Bring back MySpace. I don't know. Yeah, do something. <laughs> I want like a Tumblr-esque reboot, a place where I can basically make like a collage and have that be my page. Like Pinterest? Yeah, but Pinterest is like so not I I don't I don't know if I have hope for it to ever get to a point where you're actually communicating with other people uh, on that platform. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tumblr is still around. You can still use it. Um, I think that they stopped banning sex. Actually. Oh, okay. I've just it doesn't even look the same as when I used to use it. Yeah, I think I I logged on like a couple of years ago and I was like, what the hell is this? This does not look the same. <laughs> what the hell even is that? <laughs> I'm like Daddy an child. elder now. <laughs> I like went to one of the tags page and I was like, why does it look like this? Why is it not just right in chronological order? Right. Exactly. Like I'll search for something sometimes and I'll be like, oh, like maybe I could find some really good movie screenshots on Tumblr. And it shows me just like gif after gif after gif. Because mm-hmm. it's going by what's popular. And I'm like, that's not how it works. You're supposed to go in. Why did all social – okay, I'm going to – sound so fucking old. But like, why are all social medias so against showing things in chronological in order? In chronological order. Bring it back. I don't want – I don't want to be curated to my interests. I no, don't. No. I don't. Stop I don't telling me what I should ads. see. I don't want to see curated shit. I want the algorithm to be deleted. I want to see <laughs> – Maybe on the go back to page. caveman times. Right. Get rid of the algorithm. Right. I hate it. I want to search by a hashtag and get actual real mm-hmm. shit. Because mm-hmm. now you search a hashtag and it's like people add a million hashtags to random shit that's not relevant. And it's the same <sighs> edit reposted eight million times and I hate it. 
I'm going to sue. <laughs> Anyways. Maybe we should make our own social media. <laughs> yeah, we could totally do that. Um, we have the skill set and the funding. <laughs> <laughs> we have the skill set and the funding. Um, thank you for listening to Old Man Corner, where we just ran <laughs> back to the movies. So, oh my God. Speaking of youths, we then go to high school and uh, we see this, this little AP class meeting outside for some inexplicable reason i don't it seems like a progressive school where they're like call me you know my first name right classic la so the teacher played by Kristen shawl uh is basically like telling them that the ap exam is next week whatever whatever so she then goes up to emma roberts and she's like, Emma, I would love to pick your brain about what to put t- together for like a little test prep group since you've actually taken the exam before and I haven't. And Emma's like, oh, yeah, no problem. So Kristen asks about, you know, if they could meet after school. But Emma says that she nannies after school and she can't do lunch either. Why can't she do lunch? Oh, because she's going to have sex with her oh. boyfriend for the first time. And Kristen just, like, crushes her Coke can in her hand and is like, that's a very special time. And Emma says, yeah, it's Valentine's Day. We're in love. We're 18. And, like, I want to be special. And she's like, but I could do lunch tomorrow. And Kristen's like, oh, so you'll be done having sex by then? And Emma's like, yeah, yeah, it'll be good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. So we see Emma Roberts' boyfriend, uh, played by Carter Jenkins, and he is like on the field with his little trombone in a marching band. So she goes oh to get her God. man. Those sexually frustrated band nerds. Oh, yeah. Later on, we see him walking with his bestie, Taylor Lautner, Ooh. who's like, oh, don't eat before, man. And like, make sure you do some push ups because like, it'll make you look better. <laughs> Meanwhile, Emma Roberts is walking with her bestie, Taylor Swift, and she's like, yeah, I'm not going to eat lunch. And Taylor's like, oh, are you sure? Like, did you have a big breakfast? I'm going to get you a sandwich for when you come back. So (laughs) Taylor Swift then notices this latte petition uh, to put lattes in the vending machine. So she goes over to do that. And that's when Carter comes up to Emma and says he's going to go to English and then he's going to go to her house and set up. Emma and Carter go off and Taylor Swift goes over to Taylor Lautner and he's like, so what do you think? And she's like, oh, like you and me, we're going to wait. Yeah. So Taylor was talking a big game, (laughs) like do some push-ups, don't eat beforehand. Mm -hmm. Big V. So (laughs) Taylor's like, you know, I think we should just enjoy this time. And Taylor Lautner's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, we can do that. (laughs) So she then asked if he's opened his gift yet. So he opens up his gift. It is his track shirt that he wears all the time. But Taylor Swift ironed her lucky number 13 on the back. She's like, I'm so quirky and contrarian. (laughs) So she's like, oh, my God, you don't like it. And he's like, no, no, I I love it. She's like, okay, try it on then. And he says, (laughs) right now, like, I'm a little bit uncomfortable taking my shirt off in public, which is obviously a reference to Twilight. She's very disappointed, but he assures her that he's going to wear it later. They kind of talk about how she's carrying around this giant bear, and 
she's like, let's go see if it'll fit in my locker. Hee hee. <laughs> and off they go. So Jessica, Queen Latifah, and Eric are having their little meeting, and Queen Latifah tells them she spoke with the general manager. They passed. And Eric is like, I can't believe it. Like, I took the team to the playoffs. And she's like, yeah, they're chasing this young kid from Alabama. And Jessica's like, well, I'm working on a press release. I'm going to say it was a mutual parting. And he asked her what they're supposed to do now. Maybe we're done. And Jessica's like, we're not done. And Queen Latifah is like, you have more to do. And I'm not just saying that because you pay me. And Eric is like, the problem is there's more that I want out of life. Like I want a relationship. I want kids. And she says that he can still have all that and play football. Jessica is like, all right, let's just take a second to calm down. Why don't we let Eric figure out what he wants? And she's like, we don't have time for thinking and just like puts the stuff on their tab and leaves. So it's like convoluted, but basically – we just learned that Eric wants more out of life. Yeah. He's struggling to determine whether or not he needs to quit uh, football or mm. like retire in order to do that. Yeah. Then we cut back to the plane. Bradley Cooper and Julia Roberts, they're playing this game. I don't know what it is, but there's like dice involved, I think. It looks like they're playing like a backgammon or something. Or Yeah. But the, the point is she keeps beating him. She's way better, and she says that it's all about just, you know, reading your opponent and adjusting accordingly. He's like, oh, you, you've been reading me the whole flight? And that's when this mm-hmm. flight attendant comes over with some candy heart lollipops. This flight attendant is very flirty, flirty with Bradley. She's got oh, her yeah. eye on him. So Bradley puts his lollipop on the table and just kind of, like, pushes it away And Julia says that it's part of her training to read people. And then she gives him a little breakdown on himself and says, you know, he boarded the plane wearing a suit, but no wedding ring. So he's serious, but not committed. Mm. He let a stranger sleep on his shoulder. So kindness, but also it feels good to be needed. Whoa. And the heart-shaped candy, another giveaway. Either he has a problem with candy, which judging by how much maple syrup he put on his pancakes, probably not. Or he has a problem with heart-shaped candy, which means he might have a problem with romance and this day in particular. And he's like, well, 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 not bad, soldier. You got me. (laughs) So we cut to Jennifer Gardner's classroom. It turns out Edison is one of her students. And she has all her students go put their Valentine's cards in their classmates' folders while she tells them about the history of Valentine's Day. And some kid, Franklin, chimes in. He's like, Valentine's Day was a shooting in Chicago and it put a curse on the Cubs. And she's like, okay, so we're going to talk about ancient Rome. And (laughs) That's nice, Franklin. (laughs) That's great, Franklin. She says that Claudius the Cruel banned marriage because he wanted everyone to focus on the war. But the priest, St. Valentine, married everyone in secret and got thrown in jail. And on the 14th, he wrote a note to his beloved, signed, Farewell from your Valentine. I did not know this story. It sounds really macabre. So kind of (laughs) annoying, but whatever. I will say the other day I looked up 
the origins of Valentine's Day. And there's obviously this story, but there are so many other origin stories in like various other places and stuff that it's kind of crazy how it all culminated in actually being pretty worldwide celebrated on this one day given (laughs) how many different origin stories there are. Yeah, I hear you there. That's crazy. After the story, Franklin asks Jennifer if she's in love with anyone and the class is like, and who could she be in love with? Oh my God, it's Patrick Dempsey, who is at Sienna Bouquet. Classic. He goes up to Ashton and is like, hey, I saw you on TV. Like, that's why I'm here. And Ashton is like, oh my God, we're famous. This is amazing. He is like <laughs> so had empty no thoughts. <laughs> so, so dumb. But he's got an endearing quality to him. So. He basically explains that his grandfather started the shop in Italy and then his dad brought it over here. Now he owns it. So Patrick is like, that's amazing. Hey, uh, I hate to do this, but I'm a doctor and I have like surgery soon. Do you think I could just skip the line? And Ashton is like, yeah, of course, anything for the great doctor here. (laughs) So (laughs) Patrick asks for two arrangements of long stemmed roses for each of his, uh, ladies Mm. with his discretion and ashton is like i got it no worries there is a florist code about these things so patrick hands over his card and the addresses and upon reading his credit card he's like oh my god you're you're patrick dempsey you're the guy who's (laughs) you're patrick dempsey can i get an autograph (laughs) (laughs) you're dating jennifer carter so he realizes who he is and he's like okay so this First address uh, for Jennifer Garner. That's your girlfriend. And Patrick is like, yes. And he says, and this other woman is your wife? And he's like, yeah. Like, I thought that there was a a code about this thing. And he's like, yeah, I'm just making sure that your understanding is my understanding about your understanding. And... Patrick is like, okay, can you just He's like, run, run the card. card. All right. <laughs> and so Ashton does run his card. So then we cut back to Carter, who gets dropped off at Emma's house um, by one of his friends. He like comes in with his guitar, heads up, and they have this tiny little dog, Pushkin, who he gives a toy to to like distract him. He starts laying out all these roses on the ground in Emma's room he decides to do a couple of push-ups and then he like checks himself out in the mirror and he plays a bit of the song he's written for Emma and he's like, you know what? Like, we get naked. So he takes off his shorts and like everything. It's just him and his guitar. <laughs> and Pushkin like runs away. He's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Meanwhile, downstairs, Emma Roberts' mom comes home. And she tells the dog, she's like, I'm just here for a minute. I'm like, oh, fucking hell. So she hears like the singing coming from Emma's room. And she goes into the bedroom to find Carter naked with his guitar. And she tries. He's like, oh, I I am rehearsing for like an avant-garde show. And he just like knocks over a bunch of shit. He steps on a thorn on one of the roses and like tries to grab his stuff to leave. 
He tries to get his boxers from the dog, but the dog like won't let them go. And he just ends up like running out with his guitar and some of his clothes and like finds Grace driving up. And he's like, mom. And he's like, your mom? And Carter goes, yeah, my mom came to your (laughs) house. And then finally Emma Roberts realizes like her mom came home. They can't do this. Yeah. What a nightmare. Like, no no worse position, I think, to be in than, like, naked with a guitar. That sounds horrible. Have I ever told you that, like, I, when I was dating someone in high school, like, their mom walked in? No. My God. Listeners, <laughs> don't hide under the bed. Oh, God. Hide in the closet. One <laughs> uh, of the perks of uh, dating not a single person in high school is I don't have to deal with anything like that. Nice. I'm like fucking scarred over here. Oh my gosh. So we go back to Anne Hathaway. She is doing another client call where she's like a Russian lady with a horse. I think she's named Katya. So that's when she hears Topher Grace coming over. So she's like, gotta wrap it up. She uses this ball of rubber bands to like simulate spanking slapping your little behind <laughs> and uh as you know we we love to be amateur foley artists here on the pod so i enjoyed that do you have a rubber band um no but i do have this piece of plastic hang on Ooh, there we ow, go ow. <laughs> <laughs> so Anne is you know one of us <laughs> and yeah <laughs> she finishes up the call as she hangs up, Topher comes by and just like <laughs> quotes E.E. E. Cummings to her because she's a poet and she loves him. She's like, E.E. Oh mm, e. Cummings, my favorite. Love him. <laughs> <laughs> so Topher's like, yeah, I feel really stupid for forgetting that it's Valentine's Day. And she says, you know, it's not a big deal. And he's like, well, it is to me. And I'm like, don't lie. Don't set this precedent. It's not a big deal to you. <laughs> But he has to take her out tonight, and she says yes. And that's when Queen Latifah comes out of her office, and she's like, how fast does that cart go, huh? Let's find out. So he yeah. off. like, let's find out. <laughs> she tells Anne that there's a man on line two asking her to cover him up with Vaseline and bubble wrap. And Anne is like, I will take care of that. Those damn prank callers. <laughs> And Queen Latifah is like, oh, and he doesn't have a Russian accent, so I don't think you're going to need your horse. And Anne is horrified. Anne apologizes, and she's like, oh my god, am I fired? But Queen Latifah is like, you know what? It's cool. You have a way with dirty words. I like that. Just answer my calls first. Which is a very, you know, cool response to this, I feel like. I agree. She could have fired her. Yeah, you would be called into HR immediately. Oh, yeah. I'm like, at least use your personal cell phone. I would agree. So we go to football player Eric Dane, who is driving. And on the radio, he hears this report about him being dropped from his team. And he's like so out of it that he ends up rear-ending the Sienna Bouquet van. So he gets out of his car and George Lopez gets out of the van. And he's just like super pissed. And Eric is like, here, you know, call my manager, whatever. And um they'll like fix this i promise and he's like oh yeah why don't you just have my your business manager call my business manager but then he realizes who it is and he's like oh my god like 
I'm a huge fan. Your stats are amazing. It's so messed up that your team dropped you. And Eric thanks him. He's like, do you have a backup truck? And George Lopez is like, yeah, you know, I'm already behind though. It's like a big day. And Eric wonders why people do flower delivery when you can just buy them yourself. And George says some people like to get flowers at work. To some people, love doesn't exist unless you acknowledge it in front of other people. I'm like, save that little tidbit for later. Mm-hmm. Then Eric calls Jessica Beale and says he knows what he wants to do. So George Lopez drives away, but like the door immediately busts open and just like a fuck ton of flower arrangements fall out, including Edison's. Mm. And George gets out to like salvage the ruins, <laughs> but Edison's shit is totaled. Like we see cars, it's a freeway. They're like yeah. going over and it's like. <laughs> His poor little when a man loves a woman card yeah. ruined. <laughs> so we go back to Sienna Bouquet where obviously they are switching to a new truck. Can't get enough of Sienna Bouquet. Simply can't get enough. They're like, oh, we need to fill out the scene. Back to Sienna Bouquet we go. Back to Sienna Bouquet, yeah. <laughs> so Ashton is trying to figure out if he should tell Jennifer Garner about Patrick being a lying, cheating dirtbag. And George is like, hey. Just think about what you would want done if you were in her position. So Ashton goes to Jennifer's class with a bouquet. And Edison, like, stands up thinking that it's his flowers that he ordered. But Jennifer tells everybody to read amongst themselves. She reads the card and sees that they're from Patrick Dempsey. She's so excited. She's like, oh, my God, did he come into the shop? You got to meet him? That's amazing. So Ashton asks to talk to her in the hall. So they go out. And she tells him that she ended up booking that flight to San Francisco and she's going to go see him tonight. And Ashton says that it's not a good idea. Edison comes out and is like, Mr. Bouquet, where the fuck are my flowers? (laughs) (laughs) And Ashton assures him that they're probably on the truck. They're going to be here soon. And Jennifer is like, listen, Edison, I've known Mr. Bouquet for a long time. If he says they're going to be here, they're going to be here. So just like go back to class. Give me like two more minutes. So Ashton just straight up tells Jennifer, don't get on the plane. And when she asks why, what does he say? Nothing. And I'm like, you can't throw that out the there. Flores code, brother. It's not HIPAA. Yeah. <laughs> not talking about someone's <laughs> medical information. Yeah. Personally. I don't know. If I was a florist, I would want to expose people. You'd probably lose a lot of business, but still. So much business. I would want to. You got to think about how many things like bartenders know shit. Oh, yeah. Like bartenders. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he doesn't say anything. And so Jennifer thinks like, oh, this is because you met him. Like he came into the shop And you realize that with me dating someone, things are going to change between us because for all these years, I've always been there for you. Like if Jessica Alba doesn't want to eat junk food or like watch a stupid movie, I'm your girl. So you're probably worried that he's going to steal me away. But like, don't worry. Ashton is like, that's literally not what I'm talking about. But there's this mutiny going on in Jennifer's class. So she's like, don't worry. I'm They're fighting. Yeah, she's like, I'm always going to be there for you. And then rushes back to class. These girls are like beating the shit out of each other in her class. I don't yeah. know how this happened so quickly, but it's a disaster. Ashton tries to like talk to her again. And she's like, I'm a little busy right now. I'll have to call you later. Bye. Yeah. 
<sighs> so he leaves and in the next scene, George tells Ashton that he didn't try hard enough to tell her. True. And Ashton is like, she just, when she gets sad, she looks like a lost puppy. And when she cries, like, I couldn't ruin Valentine's Day for her. It's already ruined. It's already right. ruined. It's going to be ruined so much worse. Yeah. So Ashton grabs his special box from the flower market to drop off for his fiance Jessica Alba, when she gets home. Meanwhile, after school, Emma Roberts goes to pick up Edison, who is like the child she nannies. He's clearly upset. So Emma has him do like a breathing thing through one nostril to like calm down. And she's like, okay, what's wrong? And Edison is like, my crush doesn't know that I love her because she didn't get her flowers and I need you to help me make it right. (laughs) And Emma's like, okay, but first we got to go to soccer. So we go back to Jennifer Garner. She is on the phone with Jessica Beale. Jessica is very upset because nobody is RSVP'd to her party. And Jennifer is like, nobody RSVPs. It's LA. Everyone wants you to think that they have a life. So Jennifer then has to rush off to the airport and tells Jessica to whack the heart for her while Jessica breathes into a paper bag. Meanwhile, Ashton Kutcher... Goes into his house, goes into his bedroom to find Jessica Alba packing. She was going to move out without even telling him, without even saying anything. It's pretty rough. So she says that she loves him, but she's not ready for this kind of commitment. And she just didn't know that this morning. And he says, it's okay. Like, I rushed it. We can totally wait. But she says, no, you didn't do anything wrong. I shouldn't have been surprised when you asked. I should be thinking about our future, but I'm still thinking about my future. And he's like, sweetheart, and starts like unpacking her stuff. You can still have your career. We're we're getting married. We're not becoming monks or something. And she's like, well, the thing with my parents and their divorce. And he's like, well, that doesn't mean it's going to happen to you too. It's not hereditary. It's not contagious. And she's just like, you don't get it. The first call that I made after you proposed was to my office to confirm my 10 o'clock meeting. Mm. So she gives him back the ring and says that it's really beautiful for someone else. So he's like finally accepted that she's leaving. He's like, you know what? Me and me and the dog, we're gonna be fine. That dog has no loyalty. <laughs> Jumps like, on the bed to be next to Jessica Alba. Not only is she leaving him, but she's and I'm taking the dog too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm taking the dog. Dumbass. <laughs> yeah. So Ashton heads out with his silver flower box, and from the stairs he asks her if she even considered marrying him. And she's like, Of course I did, but When you ask someone to marry you, you don't want them to consider it. Don't you just want them to know? If it's not a yes, it's a no. So Ashton meets up with George Lopez outside and we get another Romeo Midnight insert. George clearly knows what happened. Like he was expecting it. I I did have an inkling that it wasn't right. And Ashton is like, why did you keep it to yourself? Like that's not what friends do. And he apologizes. But then Ashton realizes he needs to do that for Jennifer. Like, he Mm -hmm. needs to stop her. Yeah. So we see Jennifer going through airport security. And as her phone is going through the x-ray machine, 
she misses a call from Ashton. So George is like, you know what? I'll deliver the rest of the flowers. My cousin has a car that you can borrow. You can rush to the airport. And it's this like insane Chevy lowrider that he drives. Yeah. <laughs> so Ashton finally makes it to the airport. He runs over to Southwest to get a ticket for whatever the next flight leaving out of Terminal G is. Working the desk is Larry Miller, who you may remember Amazing. from a little movie called The Princess Diaries. Paolo. And 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes. Yeah. So he's like, sir, this is the oversized baggage counter. But there's obviously like a massive line at the regular ticketing table. So Ashton mm -hmm. then just grabs a trash can and is like, this is my luggage. So Larry grabs a trash can and is like, and now it's a matching set. So they like, oh my God, <laughs> they put the trash cans down. Ashton apologizes and says, there's this girl. And Larry tries to guess like, oh, yeah, the girl, if she gets on the plane, then she'll never know how you really feel. And he's like, not totally, but like. There's this guy that she's dating and he's a spineless lying creep and she needs to know because this girl is great. She's like sunshine. Everything is better when she's there and I can't stand the idea of some jerk hurting her. So Larry then comes around from the counter and gives him a pass and says, she's like sunshine, huh? This is going to get you to any gate in the airport. Ashton goes through security, but like, there's this guy who's taking forever. He hears the announcement that her plane is leaving. So he just abandons his stuff and runs mm -hmm. barefoot to the gate, which you cannot do. You cannot abandon your stuff at security. No. So they do run after him and say, we got a code Foxtrot. So he rushes up to Jennifer as she's about to board. And he's like, listen, Patrick is married. And Jennifer is like, no, he's divorced. But Ashton is like, he's still married like her name is Pamela they live in Brentwood and I know because I had to deliver her flowers and Jennifer is like well um you know did he say it was his current wife and I'm like denial is he's a, a river, river in, in Egypt. Egypt yeah and Ashton is like he didn't have to like I could tell she says that Ashton has tried to talk her out of every boyfriend she's ever had and they like walk to the side and he asks her if she thinks that him and Jessica Alba belong together. She like avoids the question at first, but eventually says no. And he's like, that's what I'm doing here because everyone and their mother felt that way and no one had the guts to tell me. And she left me. Obviously, Jennifer, being one of his closest friends, apologizes, gives him a big hug. But... She does decide to get on the plane anyway. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want this to happen to you. And she's like, I'm sorry about Jessica, but I need to see my boyfriend. And he says she knows it's the truth. And he gets escorted back to the security line. Yeah. Like, do you really think that he's lying? Like, right. Like lying to be with her. Like that would be insane. Yeah. Like, to lie about her boyfriend having a wife yeah like that would be that's so elaborate of a lie yeah and if this is like your best friend surely that's not one of their main character traits right it just right. feels like convoluted is my issue like the entire movie or yeah <laughs> <laughs> but there's a way to make the storyline work it just like doesn't the flow is fucked up yeah it's not organic mm -hmm. so 
back on Julia Roberts' plane. She is uh, in the bathroom changing into her regular clothes, heads back to her seat during some turbulence, and Bradley Cooper tells her she looks very pretty and asks if she's nervous. And Julia does say yes, and he's like, well, don't be, because the minute you walk through that door, nothing else will matter. So we go to soccer practice, and Edison is on the field, and Rainey comes up to him and asks to practice with him. And I was like, this is Megan Surrey from Never Have I Ever. Yeah, I never knew that it was her. Yeah, she's so young. She looks so cute. Mm -hmm. And Franklin, the rogue classmate who's like <laughs> valentine's day is a massacre in chicago he like makes fun of them liking each other and edison asks rainy if she's going to watch the discovery channel tonight but she's like no i gotta help out at my mom's restaurant we have a wedding party and this party for people who hate valentine's day <gasps> yeah the paths are converging whoa <laughs> and edison is like i don't know who would hate valentine's day She's like, yeah, they have it every year, and it's all of, like, Jennifer Gardner's friends. <laughs> <laughs> so they start the game, but Edison is, like, distracted. He looks over at Emma, and she, like, waves to him. Then we see the opposing team score, and Edison looks into the crowd of parents, and he just sees, like, all of these moms on the sidelines, like, you know, cheering on their kids, and just he's really feeling sad and missing his mom. So we then go back to Jamie Foxx, who we haven't seen in a hot minute. Uh, he's right. on he's on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. We see this man giving a tour when his ex comes over wearing a sign saying that he's a cheating rat. So <laughs> he tries to interview her. The woman ends up kneeing her ex in the balls. You are a garbage rat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, Jamie wishes the viewers a happy Valentine's Day. That's when he gets a text. He gets tipped off that Eric Dane is leading a press conference, so this is his chance to get an exclusive to become the number one sports guy at the station. So he tells the cameraman to just do some B-roll, but instead, the cameraman is like, this is my time to shine. I am now going to be the anchor and gets <laughs> on camera. So we cut back to Jessica Beale's office where Jamie Foxx is talking to her assistant. She's like, I just need to talk to Jessica. Like, just let me through really quick. I just have a question to ask her. And she's like, I've already given you a lot of exclusive info. Like, and then Jamie out of the blue, like, fakes some sort of bladder emergency and like drops his folder away from the door, then fakes her out and goes into the office. Mm. Jessica is like on the floor eating circus peanuts. <laughs> of all the snacks. I know. In Why? like a little clear baggie. <laughs> Jessica asks what Jamie is doing tonight, and he's like, um, well, I'm here about, like, Eric, like, you know, but we can talk. And she's like, oh, I'm not asking you out. I just need to know if I'm the only person on Earth who is alone on Valentine's Day. Oh, my God. And I'm like, Jessica. Pull it together. <laughs> you got to pull back your romantic delusions, like, a little bit, girl. Mm-hmm. So Jamie is like, well, I'm working. Like, I actually hate Valentine's Day. And Jessica is surprised to hear this. And she goes off about how she's, like, neurotic and unlovable. But she works so much she doesn't have time to work on herself. And she's like, my closest relationship is with my BlackBerry. Like, thank God it vibrates. And then she says the one thing that's always there for her is her best friend, 
candy. She's going to end up lonely as an old lady with rotting teeth and a chocolate mustache. So, I did think that Jessica Biel was pretty good in this moment. I, I enjoyed the, I did enjoy the comedic this, yeah, timing. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So Jamie like wrestles the chocolate out of her hand and they fall on the couch. And he's like, maybe, maybe try some tofu. Like it'll balance out your emotions. And she's like, I don't want a mustache. And he's like, well, you know, you'd look hot with one. That's when, like, reality comes surfacing back and Jessica Biel realizes she's in Jamie Foxx's arms and, like, <laughs> leaning on him. Being cradled like a baby. <laughs> right. And she's like, okay, like, you can let go now. LOL. Yeah. I did, I did like this moment. And I, I like the Jamie Foxx-Jessica Biel yeah, relationship. I, like I think it's line. I think it's a fun storyline. Definitely better than some of the other ones that we got going on. Oh, yeah. We go back for a little more double Taylor action. Taylor Swift then gets interviewed by cameraman turned uh, anchorman. And basically, she's just talking about how her boyfriend is the star athlete, but she's not a cheerleader. She's on the dance team. Okay, don't get it twisted. <laughs> so then she busts out the fucking whitest white girl dancing that I yeah, she got, she got ever seen. stupid with it. Yeah. Doing her best Hayden Panettiere bring it on impression. I can crump. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. So Taylor Lautner comes over. They start making out. Uh, the chemistry is there. You can see why they ended up dating after this. She's like, oh, my God, I totally love him. He's like, yeah, and I'm crazy about her. So the reporter asks what he loves about her, and he says, she's beautiful. She makes me laugh, and she does my geometry. And Taylor <laughs> Swift is like, oh, my God, and he's totally hot and an amazing athlete. Babe, babe, go show him. Go show him, babe. And he oh, my like, gosh. <laughs> runs back and does some flips, and she cheers. I don't know if you saw recently. So Taylor Lautner and his wife, also named now Taylor Lautner. Right. Um, they were doing a podcast, and she asked him if he could go back in time to any moment, what would he go back to? And he said the 2009 VMAs, because obviously that was like the infamous Kanye West, Taylor Swift, Beyonce had the best music video of all time situation. Right. But what we always forget is that Taylor Lautner was the one who presented her that award. So he was on stage, oh, and he no. was standing behind them. And so when it started happening, he thought that it was like a skit between the two of them and he couldn't hear what Kanye was saying because of, I don't know, the way that wherever oh he was standing. God. So he was just like laughing along in the background, like thinking it was some sort of pre-planned thing. And then Taylor Swift turns around and he saw her face and was like, oh, this was not a pre-planned thing. So if he, if he could go back in time, he would go back and stop that moment from happening because he was standing right there. And I was like holy shit and that is why you are like her best ex that only ever got like a great song written about you because the song back to december wow. is about him and then it also makes sense because there's a lyric in back to this december about like that september night like the first time you saw me cry wow and like held me in your arms about that night so wow the more you know <laughs> uh and that was our Taylor talk like <laughs> Got the philosophy out with it. Jesus. Yeah, I just saw that like last week, so it's very top of mind, but that's fascinating. Pretty crazy. I didn't I gonna have to go back and watch that video again because I didn't even realize he presented her. No, me neither. Wow. 
So we go back to Topher Grace, who's trying to drum up some ideas for Valentine's Day with his stupid mailroom buddies. <laughs> stupid. They're so, so dumb. dumb. <laughs> He's like, oh, I have, you know, a dinner reservation and I got us tickets to see a movie at the Hollywood Cemetery, which is like a cool thing. Like people do yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh my, like, what? Ew. And I'm like, this is perfect. Yeah. One of his ideas is like a homemade dinner. And I'm like, yeah, that's very thoughtful and lovely. I would love that. And low key for a couple of weeks. Yeah. You don't want to go too crazy. Just do a little slightly elevated date night. Yeah. And they're like, you should get her a real gift. He's like, guys, again, two weeks. Yeah. Am I the only one dating someone here? These dudes are fucking stupid. Yeah. Clearly, don't take advice from them. Yeah. So we go back to school and the reporters are asking the Taylors how they met. And Taylor Swift is like, well, I wasn't into him at first because he used to shoot spit wads into my hair in class until one night I was brushing out my hair and found a spit wad that was actually a note. And it said, what's up? And I just thought it was so cute. (laughs) (laughs) And then Taylor Lautner is like running over the hurdles and ends up tripping over one and like – just landing in like a fucking like a roll, like just yeah. super smooth. Like a freaking panther or something. It's crazy how smoothly he recovers. Like a a werewolf. Oh my god. And then he comes over and he's like, Oh, did you like tell him about the spit wads? And he's like, Yeah. And they make out again. He's like, There you have it, young love, full of promise, full of hope, ignorant of reality. The rogue cameraman, you know, he gets his shot. He yeah. gets his times. <laughs> limelight what can you say he was born for a man on the street yeah excuse me excuse me man for a dollar can you tell us how you and your boyfriend met miss miss for a dollar name a woman name a woman (laughs) any woman any woman uh (sighs) have you ever encountered billy on the street no but i would love to i would absolutely love to freak out yeah (laughs) yeah i'm just imagining him coming up to me and being like ma'am for a dollar name any movie any movie and i'm like a double it and pass it on to the next person. <laughs> You're like, suddenly I've forgotten every movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Or just like, oh, I'm listening to um, 3 a.m. by Anna Nalek. Anna Nalek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that that's the song that <laughs> comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, tragic. So... We go back to Hector Elizondo. We haven't seen him in a hot minute. Yeah. He is calling the infamous Sienna Bouquet, (laughs) finds out that Edison's flowers, unfortunately, are not going to be delivered today. He's going to have to wait till tomorrow. And Edison storms out and is like, no, it has to be today. I'm like, relax. Yeah, they just let him go and cool (laughs) off. Emma Emma Roberts tells uh, Shirley MacLaine and Hector Elizondo that she hasn't been having the best day herself. Explains the whole thing about how her and Carter were supposed to do the deed today and she wanted it to be magical. And Hector's like, well, love can't be planned. And Shirley's like, Hector, it's not love they're talking about. It's sex. Okay, Shirley. I know. So Emma explains that they're going to schools across the country. I think she's going to Stanford or he's going to Stanford. She's going to Yale or something. Yes. I was like, okay, smarties. Yeah, the fuck? We got a little Miss Rory Gilmore over here. Yeah. And uh, 
she basically says that she thought that if they had this experience connecting them, that it would be easier to stay together long distance. Besides, it's not like she's going to sleep with one person for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. And Hector is like, well, uh, that's what we did. But, you know, it was a different time. People weren't as promiscuous as they are now. And Shirley has a little look on her face. Something's up. And Hector's like, you know, even with long stretches apart, we still manage and we're renewing our vows this year. And Shirley just, like, bursts into tears and walks away. Mm. And Hector's like, uh, excuse me for a moment. Let me go check on my wife. Meanwhile, Emma gets a phone call from Carter and she starts to broach the idea that maybe today isn't the day for them. And Edison takes this opportunity to sneak out of the house on his little bike. Emma does see him riding off, so she rushes after him in her beat-up old blue VW bug. Yeah, I did write Emma wash her fucking car because I was like, just at least wash it. I'm also like, you live in a gorgeous house. Like, I'm absolutely positive you could probably touch up the car. Her family is doing fine. Yes. So we cut back to Hector and Shirley having a pretty intense conversation. Shirley tells him that when he went to Florida to build those apartment buildings, he was gone a really long time and she was very lonely. And on her birthday, his business partner, Joey, came over with flowers and champagne. And she admits that they ended up having an affair, but it didn't last long and they both regretted it. And she tells him that he is the only man she's ever loved. And he's like, why tell me now? And she's like, well, since we're renewing our vows, like I just wanted to tell you the truth. And he says that the truth makes everything else seem like a lie. What a little rat Joey is being like, oh, yeah, let me go to my business partner's girlfriend on her birthday with flowers and champagne. Who's been so lonely, whose husband has been out of town for months. Yeah, working on our business. Right? Why isn't he there? Yeah. Get his ass out there. Mm Mm-hmm. So we then go back to the plane, and we finally learn why Bradley Cooper hates heart-shaped candy. It's because he's recently single. He says that they just weren't on the same page, and Julia asks if there's really nothing to be done, and he's like, no, it's, it's over. So Julia then suggests that he go for the flight attendant. Like, she's clearly obsessed with you. She looks over here every five seconds. So they end up betting a bag of pretzels on it, and she counts down every five seconds. And like clockwork, the flight attendant is glancing over. She even does it again, like, in three seconds. So the flight attendant then, like, literally cuts across the aisle, walking over people's seats, and is like, (laughs) can I get you anything? And Julia's like, a bag of pretzels, please. And as she walks away, Bradley's like, make it two. <laughs> but I also just love that this scene ends with Julia Roberts' incredible laugh. She has, like, one of the best laughs in the world. Oh, yeah. She has just, like, an electric personality. Mm-hmm. Her charm is pretty endless. Unmatched. And I'm like, you know what? You deserved all $10 million you got from this Right, movie. right. I also think Bradley Cooper is a scene stealer. Like, he's always pretty yeah. too. Their scenes are, are really good. I really like their mm-hmm. storyline. If that was a movie, I, I'd probably watch it. Oh, totally. And just the two of them? Hey. Let's get, let's get Bradley and Julia back on a project together, Hollywood. Make it happen. I agree. So we go to 
the hospital that Jennifer Gardner thinks Patrick Dempsey is working at. And she's like, hi, um, is Patrick here tonight? And the nurse is like, no, no, not tonight. And she's like, um, Patrick Dempsey, like, Hello? that's not his name, but <laughs> <laughs> um, McDreamy, whatever. The nurse is like, oh, are you a patient? And Jennifer is like, woman to woman, is he married to a woman named Pamela? And the nurse like looks over at the doctor behind her and she kind of like nods and she's like, they just celebrated their 15th anniversary. So as she like is about to leave, one of the doctor and nurse who was in the background before comes up to her and she's like, Bistro Garden, early seating. We then cut over to the Eric Dane press conference. He addresses the press and says that the cliche when someone is retiring is to say that, you know, I want to spend more time with my family, but he doesn't have one. And that's the biggest thing that football has taken away from him. He hasn't been able to live the life that he's wanted to. And then he says, I'm gay. (gasps) Queen Latifah watching from her office is like, I I knew it. it. (laughs) The press is in uproar. Jessica Biel looks out into all the reporters thinking, who am I going to give the first question to? Oh, my God. There's Jamie Foxx. Jamie, take it away. So he's like, Eric, does this mean you're retiring? Like, what's up? And Eric is like, ah, that. No, I'm not retiring. I'm gay and I'm going to play. I just, it reminds me of Spongebob when he's like, I'm ugly and I'm proud. proud. (laughs) I'm ugly and I'm proud. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Emma is fucking searching for the lost Edison. Yes. The missing child. Yeah. Amber alert. The stakes feel very low for, honestly. <laughs> right. No one gives a fuck. Hector and Shirley are like, we're going through something. Yeah. Take care of it, Emma. <laughs> so we go to the bistro garden where Patrick Dempsey shows up to dinner with his wife. Then we see a server come over, pour them some champagne, and uh, the camera backs up. The server is Jennifer Gardner. Oh, my Oh, my gosh. gosh. So Patrick chokes on his champagne. He's like, oh. And Jennifer is like, um, would you like to hear about tonight's specials? It's the lying, stinking <laughs> pig. So they start off by cutting off the pig's testicles and just chopping them up into really tiny, really fine little, just pulverizing them, adding a little arugula, some sage, feta cheese, and then just shoving the mixture back up um, – well, the pig's ass. Then <laughs> he cuts out the cold, useless, tiny little heart and fillets it on either side as an amuse bouche. And Pamela's like, Yeah, I think I'm just going to have the salmon. <laughs> and Patrick is like, I just need to. <laughs> and then Jennifer says, The heart of the pig is a little like this and pulls up this stupid fucking wind up toy heart. And puts it on the table in front of him. So then she walks away, hands off her apron to the maitre d', and the maitre d' turns out to be Franklin's dad. Wow. And yes, and he gives Jennifer some huge bags of takeout, and she's like, charge it to my friend over there. And he's like, oh, of course, that's why I put in some extra lobster tails and a cheesecake. Nice. (laughs) Like, that's 
so fun. That's an ally right there. I want a lobster tail and a cheesecake. (laughs) Yeah. Then we hear another song that I have not heard in years, the Leighton Meester song, (laughs) Somebody to Love. Many forget that she had a music career, but I do not. <laughs> so I wish I could. You know? you know what? Good Girls Go Bad, still a great song to this day. Damn, I'm going to have to get back into it. Maybe I'll listen on the train today. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on my playlist uh, called BRB Making Edits on Picnic, which has like all songs from the late <laughs> 2000s, early 2010s. If anyone remembers the photo, the photo app picnic. Yeah. I was on there constantly. So we then go to the restaurant where Jessica Beale is having her party. The restaurant is the Golden Kadahi. It's uh Rainey's parents' restaurant. So she shows up with all her decor. I think that like the cab driver is trying to like give her back her card or something. She's like, put it where you're looking, and he like slides it into her cleavage or something. Yeah. <laughs> And then she goes. Meanwhile, Anne Hathaway shows up for her date with Topher Grace. It's like a very nice restaurant at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. Mm -hmm. But the tables are like, it's essentially a communal table. Like it's everybody's on top of each other. Mm -hmm. The couple centimeters next to them, fully making out across the table. Yes, ma'am. They kind of like quickly pivot to talking about work because he's like, you don't want to be an agent, right? And she's like, no, I but I may need one someday, so that's why I'm working there temporarily so I can learn the ropes. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense, but sure. Yeah, I feel like all of their co- conversations, like they just are like, God, how do we get this exposition in here that she's like a poet? Let's just like throw it in there very haphazardly without any care whatsoever. Sure. <laughs> so the server then comes over and asks if they want the four-course sweethearts menu or the eight-course eternal love menu. And Topher's like, whoa, hey, 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 is there like a one-course only been dating for two weeks but it looks promising option? And the server's so unimpressed and Topher's like, that was a joke. And he's like, of course, sir, I'll come back when you're serious. <laughs> I was like, damn. Oh my gosh. Scathing. So... He then accidentally takes their table neighbor's water. So then Anne offers like her water because she hasn't touched it. And the guy's like, oh, my God, like happy Valentine's Day and smiling at her. And his girlfriend gets pissed and like throws her napkin at him. It's like a weird time. It's a weird time. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. Topher apologizes for this place being such a zoo. And she's like, oh, like they're mating, they're fighting, and I'm in the zoo with you. And they're both just kind of like, Okay. The chemistry (laughs) is lacking. Yeah. She then starts to broach, you know, the topic of her side job when she gets another call. So she, like, rushes out to the lobby. It's like, I'm so sorry. Like, let me just take this really quick. I'll be right back. As this is happening in the hotel lobby, she crosses. And then Jessica Alba walks in the other direction. We see her with the dog. She's checking into the hotel the receptionist is like, how many people? And she's like, two, um, one, a human and a dog. So I was glad to see that she wasn't cheating on Ashton. I think that would have been unnecessary, but. It just wasn't, just wasn't the match. Yeah. So we go back to Ashton and George Lopez assures him that Jennifer wasn't even in love with Patrick because she was too calm about the whole thing. And then he pulls out a roomy book and is like, The way of love is not a subtle argument. 
the door there is devastation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he's like, you don't step into love. You fall in love head over heels and it's messy. And he tells him to make it happen. The day isn't over yet. And Ashton is like, how did you and your wife get it so right? And George says that he married his best friend. His best friend. Wow. Wow. Are you watching this season of The Bachelor? I haven't. Why? Is he in it? No. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I'm like, I could. (laughs) The guy who is The Bachelor right now, Mm -hmm. the only like qualification or like quality that he is asking these women for and like what he's looking for in a wife he just keeps saying over and over again i'm looking for my best friend like that is the only thing that he has to say he's like i'm ready i'm here to find my best friend and can you imagine if you're this guy's like actual best friend and hearing him say this on tv like eight times a night being like what the fuck am i dude best friend i'm your best friend i've been there for you all this time and he's like i just i'm ready i'm ready to find my best friend and it drives me up the wall i hate that shit (laughs) yeah we go to the airport bradley cooper and julia roberts their flight has finally arrived uh Mm -hmm. he wishes her a great trip and goes down to meet his driver uh but that's when he notices like julia getting her baggage so he goes to help her with her bag and she is obviously really upset So she tells him that she just found out that the shuttle takes nine stops to get to her house and the cab line is two miles long. So now she's going to try and get a rental car. And he's like, damn, listen, take my car. You traveled all this way. You should spend every second with this guy. Plus, it's already paid for. So she is very touched. It's a very lovely gesture. She gives him a hug. And before she leaves, Bradley says... He's a lucky man. Mm. So we go back to the restaurant and Rainey's mom asks her daughter why she's moping about. And she's like, is it because of a boy? And says not to be sad about not getting any Valentines because one day they'll find a nice Indian boy for her. And just every like cultural representation in this movie is so bad. Yeah. Like the Asian florist who they Mm -hmm. make like put on a super thick like – cliche Chinese accent and like have him flounder in the interview on TV and then like every comment about this restaurant too it's like oh the restaurant with like the little like towers and like the pointy things and like we're gonna find you a nice arranged marriage I'm like okay yeah so digressing from all of that shit um Carter comes over and offers to be her valentine he is a delivery boy at the restaurant and Rainey's mom is like, be the delivery boy. <laughs> mm. Meanwhile, in the hotel lobby, Topher goes out to the receptionist because Anna's been gone. And she's like, oh, yeah, she's outside taking a call. So Topher goes outside and overhears Anne finishing up the call with Stanley, the cowboy guy. And she's like, I'm going to run my, my scratchy little tongue all over you. <laughs> and at first, Topher is like, oh, she's like talking to her boyfriend. But then Anne does tell him that she is an adult phone entertainer and that this is the busiest day of the year for her for phone sex. Topher asks her why she didn't just tell him and she says that she has 100000 in student loans, no health insurance, 
And if he knows of a job that pays a poetry major more than $40 an hour while keeping her clothes on, then she's all ears. He like pretty blatantly says like, I'm out. And she's like, well, are you going to call? And he's like, I don't know if I can afford it, bro. This is why she didn't tell you. Yes, exactly. Why are you surprised? Why are you even questioning it when you're acting like this? Yeah. Two seconds later, he's like, oh, fuck, I'm being the biggest asshole and apologizes. And she starts walking away from him. And he's like, it's just too much. Like, I'm from Muncie, Indiana. Like, the craziest thing I ever did was leave Muncie, Indiana. It's not you. Like, it's me. I'm sorry. And walks away. And Anna's crushed. (sighs) So I'm like... The character development is so poor. In this it's movie. bad. <laughs> they're like the two couple, the couple with no chemistry, they're going to break up. Mm-hmm. But don't worry, we're going to get them back together. Yeah, in about three minutes. So yeah. <laughs> we go to the Hollywood Cemetery. Everyone is showing up for movie night. Topher is eating chocolate alone, as he deserves. Mm-hmm. We also see Hector in line trying to buy his ticket. And he is the next person in line when they announce that they are sold out of tickets for tonight. No. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I need a ticket. I got to get in there. Topher comes over and is like, listen, I have an extra ticket. Come with me, buddy. So as they go into the cemetery, Hector explains that he and his wife used to come here every Valentine's night except tonight. Mm -hmm. And then he asks the story behind Topher's extra ticket. Topher says it's not a good one. It's just the worst Valentine's Day of all time. And I'm like, relax, buddy. You're being a little bit dramatic. Yeah. So Edison comes into Sienna Bouquet and says that Ashton owes him flowers. So he grabs the special silver box and is like, okay, where are we taking them? Cut to the restaurant where Jessica Biel is sitting alone with her gigantic heart pinata hanging up and like all of her decorations around her and one of the men from the wedding party tries to go up to her and she just like inhales some helium from a balloon is like okay i'm gonna go now have a nice life and i'm like you're getting high like you're doing whippets (laughs) you're doing whippets at the indian restaurant so then are whippets whippets aren't like helium though i am pretty sure it is if because that's what makes the whipped cream like you basically just have the nitrogen nitrous oxide but like you can inhale helium without you don't get high from inhaling helium do you because i've seen people selling it like literally in brooklyn let me see let me see maybe it's nitrous oxide yeah because i'm like i have certainly as a child you know when you're at an event and they have balloons and you inhale the helium but i don't think you get high from it unless maybe it's like a certain quantity that's what i'm wondering i remember when i was in thailand they were selling balloons on the street that were filled with like laughing gas yeah so whippets also spelled whippets or whip it's is modern slang for nitrous oxide used as a recreational inhalant the name comes from the whipped cream aerosol canisters which users crack open to get at the gas inside so nitrous oxide is also known as whippets laughing gas slash balloons not to be confused with helium yeah so it's just nitrous oxide yeah because i was like I, I don't think you get high from just helium interesting 
but I have seen people on the street buying nitrous oxide. Like, not just mm-hmm. people. This was, like, after an LCD sound system concert with people mm. who were, like, in their 30s, 40s, like, wow. coming outside of the venue in, like, a nice part of Brooklyn and buying fucking <laughs> balloons filled with fucking nitrous oxide. It was, like, the weirdest sight I've ever seen. Phil and I were, like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the more you know. <laughs> so she inhales the helium and says, okay, I'm going to go have a nice life. But Jennifer comes in with the bags of takeout and Jessica's like, what happened? She grabs the baseball bat and like fiddles around with it for a second and just like fucking hits the shit out of the heart <laughs> pinata. Yeah. And she's like, he's married. And just decimates it completely. Yeah, she does a good job. Yeah, it's totaled. And she sits down with Jessica and says, now that's open heart surgery. I want a peppermint patty. (laughs) They ruined it. I know. It was was such a good moment. Why did they have to be like, now that's what I call open heart surgery. I was just sitting there like, boo. Who (laughs) fuck? Cut that out. Who fucking wrote the screenplay? (laughs) God. We go back to the cemetery Hector's like, oh, I mean, it sounds like you really liked this girl because Topher tells him the story about him and Anne Hathaway. He's like, yeah, no, I thought that she had the trifecta, smart, sensitive, sexy. And then Hector points to to the big screen and is like, that's my trifecta right there. And it is literally (laughs) Shirley MacLaine in her youth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Topher's like, wow, she was hot. Hector's like, yeah, still is. Meanwhile, back at Jessica Beale's I Hate Valentine's Day party, some more of her friends come, two of which like realize that they were dating the same guy who booked back-to-back seatings at the same restaurant. The sad and lonely come on through. So yes, all is well at the party. Yep. And Emma Roberts is just searching for Edison, who seems like no one cares or cares to check their phone uh, to find out that he's missing but yeah she's been calling hector and shirley for hours and nobody is picking up and i'm like there's a child missing on the streets of los angeles (laughs) (laughs) and nobody cares it's like the movie 13 (laughs) yeah yeah so she actually does see him in the sienna bouquet van and follows after him so all of jessica's guests are burning pictures of their exes while a literal wedding is happening And then Jamie Foxx shows up and he's like, I had some time before my 10 p.m. broadcast. And, you know, your assistant told me about the party. That's when Jennifer Gardner comes up and she's like, well, what brings you here tonight? And he says, I'm Jessica's date. Oh, my God. He likes her. Yeah. So meanwhile, outside the restaurant, Emma finally catches up to Edison and he's like, I'm sorry for running off. I know I shouldn't have done that, but this was really important. I need to give her the flowers. Okay. In that same exact tone of voice. <laughs> I need to give her the flowers. <laughs> this was cute when you were six. <laughs> You're too old for this. Grow up and get a job. <laughs> Hi, I'm 12 and I love working. <laughs> I love to work. <laughs> I love to work. <laughs> Terrifying. Why sit around and relax when you could work? God. Ah. <laughs> This is the TED Talk girl boss, the like 15-year-old girl boss TED Talk. Yeah. <sighs> so 
We go to the limo. Bradley Cooper's driver is like, oh, you know, in all my years of driving Bradley Cooper, he's never given up his car for anyone. You must be pretty special. Mm-hmm. So then back at the cemetery, Hector and Topher, they're passing a flask back and forth, just, you know, yeah, licking their wounds together as they watch the movie. And that's when Shirley MacLaine herself shows up in this amazing, like, cape oh yeah outfit evening gown (laughs) like like a vision she's like hector hector where are you and everyone's like down in front lady i can't see through you just being very obnoxious Mm -hmm. they finally reunite in the middle of the crowd in front of the screen and she's like hector i know i let you down and maybe i don't deserve your forgiveness but you're gonna give it to me anyway because when you love someone you love all of them that's the job and he just goes i know that now and he puts a finger to her mouth and says i'll never leave you and they kiss, like it's synchronized with the kiss on the screen in the movie. The whole Aww. crowd applauds. And Topher is feeling inspired. He grabs his coat and runs out of there. Yes, he does. Back at the restaurant, Jamie Foxx is the life of the party. Yeah. He is like playing piano. Him and Jessica are duetting I Will Survive. And Edison actually goes over to Jennifer Gardner at the bar and gives her the box of flowers and he's like you're my valentine and i literally wrote (laughs) no yeah so she like thanks him and opens up the box it looks like they're like orchids on ice or on some like glass type pebbly situation and i'm like it doesn't look that great and i don't know why it had to be in a Bonks. Yeah. Like, I feel like an orchid arrangement would have just been so much prettier. Yeah, orchids on the stem. Gorgeous. Beautiful. And then they actually survive. Yeah. It was just like Unlike weird to me. Just the flower on. Or I ice. thought it was going to be like a type of flower that only like blooms at night or something. And that's yeah. why it had to be kept in the box. I don't know. But really lackluster. For me. Yeah, lots of build up to nothing, which is a common theme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Savage. So Jennifer asks him if he's sure she's the one he wants to give this to. Because when you pick a Valentine, you have to make sure you pick the right one. And Edison says he loves Jennifer and asks if it's the age difference or his height. She tells him it wouldn't be right because she knows Ronnie likes him. And Edison says, He likes her a lot, too, and she also listens to Frank Zappa and loves giraffes. And Jennifer Gardner is like, it's these things that can turn a friend into someone you love. And Edison asks if that's ever happened to her. And then a light bulb goes off in Jennifer Gardner's head, and Jamie Foxx finishes his song. He's like, I have to go, and teaches Jessica, like, how to do a fist bump. Which I'm like, you, you never. Just How like could a fist you not bump. know? Yeah. Then Addison gives Ronnie the flowers and says he doesn't usually go for girls his own age, but she's really cool. Yeah. So we cut to dancing with the wedding party to this like rendition of "I'm Yours." Oh, of like "Signed, Sealed, Delivered." That song. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
I was like, not the Jason Mraz song. Oh my God, no. No, Science School Delivered. So everyone is like getting along. There's kind of like a party happening. It's, it is really a blast. It does seem like it ended up being very fun. Mm -hmm. But Jessica decides to uh, slip out of her own party. Meanwhile, outside the restaurant, Emma meets up with Carter because, as you remember, he is the delivery boy because yes. this movie will not rest until literally every single person is connected. <laughs> it's, like, too much. It's too much. I don't like it. So he's like, oh, yeah, I tipped the valet to keep an eye on Edison. That's not what you do. Yeah. He's like, oh, I set up, like, some blankets and pillows in the back of the delivery van and we can go have sex a Mulholland Drive. Trinity in <laughs> the food delivery van. How does that sound? Yeah. And she's like, listen, I'm not so sure that I'm ready for this. Like, you, you can't just plan sex. It just has to happen. And I'm like, I mean, spontaneity is great. But when it's like your first time, there should be some planning, maybe. Just at least make sure you have protection is what I mean. Like, yeah, that kind of planning. <laughs> I would say that's a good idea. Yeah. So she tells him that this setup is so sweet and she loves him, but she thinks that they should wait. Mm -hmm. And he says, that's okay. He loves her too. They can still make out, right? And she says, yes, as we hear Miss Swift in the background. Today was a fairy You wore dark gray t-shirt. told me I was pretty when I looked like a mess. Today was a fairy yeah, so as the song is happening, Taylor Lautner drops Taylor Swift off at home after their date, and like as she's walking away, he like stops the elevator with doors his, like, with his bare arms. hands. Like, yeah, with his bare hands. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> oh my gosh! So she like comes back for one last kiss. The doors close and she like slides to the ground all giddy, grabs her bear and goes inside. Emma is in bed and Carter is cleaning up at the end of his shift and he texts Emma saying, Happy Valentine's Day. I will always love you. Very sweet. So we're, we're wrapping it up. Storylines are coming to a close. Coming home. We're coming home with it. Only took two hours. Yeah. <laughs> It took two hours of nothing to get here. Mm -hmm. So Queen Latifah, of course, girl bossing. She's working late at the office and gets a phone call, except it's one of Anne's clients. And at first she's like offended, but then decides to take her call as this like alter ego who is an African queen named Nzinga and like slept her ruler. And she's like, kneel to Nzinga. <laughs> yeah yeah that's better ow that actually kind of hurt <laughs> we go back to sienna bouquet we can't escape sienna bouquet ashton's last employee kathleen marshall um because gary marshall's kids are always in his movies uh she stands up on a chair and is like attention i am going home good night to the greatest boss in the world and just wanted to say that we all love you. And she leaves. We have this kind of little interlude. We see Jennifer Garner driving somewhere. Where could it be? 
we see George Lopez and his wife are having like a cute little date night in their backyard. I actually really loved this moment. We see them like on the swings in the backyard and they sit down for like a glass of wine. It was very cute. I did like that. We then see Eric Dane sleeping in a chair in his living room when in comes a man and the man leans down Ah. and touches some flowers to his face. Eric wakes up, and who is this mystery man? Oh my god, it's Bradley Cooper. He was gay the whole time. Mm-hmm. And Eric is like, you saw. And Bradley says, yeah. <laughs> so they're back together. We don't even get a kiss from them, though, do we? No, no. Ah, it's so annoying. Then we go to Jamie Foxx, who reports on Eric coming out of the closet, and he actually gives, like, a really generous and, like, affirming remark. Yeah. He says that Eric will be remembered among the greats if history who also faced trash talk, and they should let the future generations decide where to place him in his career. But... What this does say is that a man will do anything for love. So they wrap up and Jessica Biel has shown up to watch the broadcast. Everyone tells Jamie that he did a great job and he notices Jessica and she's like, you have an interesting perspective on Eric. Mm. So then we have another interlude because we have to cut back to Sienna Bouquet every we are contractually obligated to cut back to Sienna Bouquet every 30 seconds I want like a Sienna Bouquet (laughs) t-shirt oh yeah that would be cute but yeah we just have some sadness Ashton is there alone with uh all the old flowers that didn't get sold meanwhile more sadness Anne Hathaway crying at home when who shows up but Topher Grace She opens the door and he like takes a Polaroid of her and is like, you left this at my house. Can I come in? So she lets him in and she says that she feels bad about how he found out about her job, but that's the only thing that she is going to apologize for. And he says that he's the one who's sorry. And if like she wants to be an adult film entertainer, it's cool with him. Mm -hmm. But she's like, no, clearly it's not like you flipped out. The first time you found out something about me that you didn't like, like that's not exactly reassuring a good foundation yeah. for a relationship. And he says that she's right, but he learned tonight that in a relationship you have to accept all of someone. And you're stupid if you turn your back on something as important as love. <gasps> wow. Oh two weeks. Two Way weeks. too quick, buddy. Let's dial it back here. <laughs> yeah. He then gives her this uh, card. He's like, I picked this up at the store. And it's like a red uh, folder that he wrote, like, Happy Valentine's Day on. And inside is all the different Polaroids that she had taken of him. And uh, he wrote in big letters, sorry. It's cute. I like the card. Yeah, that was cute. (laughs) I was like, I'll give you that, Topher. You you pulled it out with that one. So her phone rings and she picks it up and says, sugar can't come to the phone right now hangs up and says she's got to make love to her boyfriend on valentine's day we're moving so fast people yes absolutely so fast so they kiss and she's like by the way this is what i like simple and right on cue a (sighs) three-piece band opens the door ready to play and topher's like get out cancel like never mind stop and uh 
this is where we see the Gary Marshall cameo, where he is a part of the three-piece band. Mm-hmm. Finally, Ashton is not in Santa Bouquet anymore. Thank God. He is. Thank goodness. <laughs> He's like on a bridge that we see earlier in the movie, just tossing old rosebuds into the water on the bridge outside. And that's when Jennifer walks up and he's like, yeah, these are flowers nobody wants. I just like the idea that tomorrow someone will see them floating by and wonder where they came from. And he tells her that he used to practice new designs with them and leave them on like a random doorstep with a note saying, somebody out there loves you. But then he worried if they found out it was him, like, would they want him to be that somebody? And Jennifer says that she would want that. Mm. He asks her if he's about to kiss his best friend. And she's like, I hope so. So they kiss and they're like, mm, that was a little awkward. A little awkward. Mm. Yeah. And I'm just like, next. <laughs> I actually think that this scene is good. Like, I like this scene. But I feel like it belongs in a different movie where, like, we have actual, like, storyline and development between these two characters. Yeah. Like, I would really like a rom-com about, like, a guy who's a florist and he's, like, super romantic and just looking for love and can't find it and then realizes that it's been in front of him all along. Like, I would eat that shit up. Absolutely. But because there are eight million different storylines in this movie, mm -hmm. we don't get the chance to, like, actually develop theirs, even though theirs probably gets the most screen time out of any other storyline. Right. Right. And I think that like the sense like this this little sentiment of him like tossing the flowers so that somebody will see them the next day or like making arrangements and leaving them on somebody's doorstep. I think that's mm -hmm. like really sweet and I liked that. It just it didn't feel earned in this movie, but I feel like could have a place in another movie. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. So we then cut over to wrap up Jamie Foxx and Jessica Beale. They are at the studio, all the broadcasts are done, and they're standing in front of a green screen, and he's, like, showing her again how to do a fist bump. Meanwhile, a cameraman turned anchorman in the booth is like, hey, hey, check it out. So they turn the green screen into a sunset as Jamie very smoothly, like, as he's teaching her how to do the fist bump, is like, oh, here, how about I show you something else instead, and, like, pulls mm. her in and kisses her. And there was – I was feeling the chemistry. I was liking it, so – I'm cool with this storyline. I was into it. I think they're really cute together. Yeah. Cut back to Jennifer and Ashton, and they're joking about the bad kiss, and she's like, we just have to practice. Meanwhile, Jessica Alba walks her dog alone. We see Patrick Dempsey alone. I'm like, why? It's such a weird place to like cut away, because we cut in and out of the scene three times. I'm like, can <laughs> we just play the scene out? Cut <laughs> him. But in any case, we cut one more time away to Edison. Mm -hmm. He is in bed when somebody comes to, to wake him <gasps> up. It's Julia Roberts. She was Aww. his mom the whole time. She surprises him and hugs him and she gets so emotional and is like, you're so big. You're so big. She hasn't seen him in almost a year. And I will oh, say. So devastating. That did get me. I was feeling a little misty at that point. Yeah. So. That was really good. 100%. So back on the bridge, Jennifer says she imagined it would be better. And then he pulls her in for an actual kiss. And the music plays. And we hear Romeo Midnight one last time. Only 30 more seconds till it's just a regular day. 
So count it down with me and raise your glass to those three little words we all want to hear. Let's get naked. The end. <laughs> the end. What a romantic Today way to end the movie. <laughs> I think that you that... Are dressed. <laughs> that that line that last line really encapsulates this whole film. It's like we're A building up, show. we're building up, and then to just the fucking stupidest thing you've ever heard. Like I at least feel like I love you. Yeah. I don't know. This movie is like such a fucking mess. It's like yeah. when you have all the leftover vegetables in your fridge and you're like, I'll make a soup. Mm-hmm. And you kind of just like this is an everything but the kitchen sink movie is what it is like yeah obviously the kind of penultimate movie like this is love actually where we have different storylines that intersect that's like the bread and butter of this type of movie and love actually is done so well and so thoughtfully the issue with this movie is they had way too many storylines that they did not have time to invest properly in any of them so Mm -hmm. because there's so many they pretty much all end up falling pretty flat and it's not even like oh this one was good but this one was bad it's like oh this one is just like slightly better than the other ones that feel meaningless because there's no investment because it's just too many things going on well yeah it's just the writing wasn't strong enough to hold the storylines yeah and the way that they spliced it too, it was just like one second, one second, one second. Like it was all jump cuts. Yeah. I mean, it was cool to see basically like a Saturday Night Live Valentine's <laughs> Day yeah. movie, but definitely, I don't think I'll ever watch it again, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably watch it again at some point in my lifetime, but sure. I mean, if we're just being like, yes. <laughs> I'm never watching it again. (laughs) I'm fucking boycotting this movie. (laughs) It just, yeah, it just doesn't like, it doesn't have the same emotional impact. And then if it's, if it's not going to go that emotional route of like love actually, then go more into the comedy. But it wasn't that funny. Right. Like there are a couple moments where I was like, oh, that's funny. That's good. But you got to either go really hard into the rom or really hard into the com. And it just was tepid Mm -hmm. on both fronts. Which, again, is the issue that I had with that other Ashton Kutcher movie that I just watched. But... Right, right. Yeah, it just... The editing made it really hard. It just... It kept interrupting the flow. We just didn't get, like, really long scenes of dialogue. It was just too brief. Right, right. And I think that something that exacerbated that was, like... So we're not getting the dialogue. We don't get the connection, like, the building up aspect and mm-hmm. then they left in like super corny one-liners and like yeah. jokes that really didn't ever land and it's just like well you could have at least used that time to yeah. increase the romance quality and to have them like get that build and it's a two-hour movie too it's long it's so long yeah yeah it's not gonna get a good rating from me it's a shame because like it's an in- it's an interesting premise. Like I love a little like a snapshot into people's lives on like a particular holiday or a season or whatever. And the thing is, is that I know that New Year's Eve, which was yeah, it was also Gary Marshall, 
it does the same exact thing as this movie, but maybe even worse. So it's not like oh my God. anything was learned. Really, it's worse. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Marshall, what the hell, man? It was on TV when I was in New York. Um, I was working in a hotel. So like I had TV on in the background and it was on. Yeah. So I was like watching it while I was working for the first time in years. And I was like, New Year's Eve is even worse somehow. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's a shame, too, because there are so many really talented people in this movie who are capable of giving a fantastic performance. And I don't mm -hmm. think that anyone necessarily gave, like, a bad performance. I think that they, you know, yeah. did what they could do. It's it's an issue with the writing and the pacing of this film. I definitely agree. And, I mean, they could have cut, like, one of the teenage storylines. Yeah. Like, they didn't need both. Like, there's there's a lot of fat that can be cut. And also, I, I liked, for me, the top, uh, plot lines where Bradley Cooper and Julia Roberts yeah. and uh, Jessica Biel and Jamie Foxx. I yeah. love Jennifer Gardner's character, mm -hmm. but I just, even like the chemistry between her and Ashton, I was like, it's not even adding up here. Yeah, I think it would have been actually a lot better if they did end it as like, actually we're better as just friends. Right, right. I think that would have been so much better. Mm -hmm. That would have at least made sense. Yeah, because also Valentine's Day, yes, it's a day about celebrating love, but there are so many different kinds of love outside of romantic love. Yeah. And like, this is an issue with society in general that like all weight and importance is put on romantic love when other types right, of relationships right. are so important and vital and friendship especially is one that gets kind of like tossed to the wayside. Mm -hmm. But friendship, bonds, and love is so important and beautiful. And I would have loved to see that like celebrated. I agree. Well, what are you going to rate it? <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, I want to give it like – so this is the number that comes to mind mm -hmm. too. <laughs> that was the first number that came to mind and then I was like – I was like, let me consider should it. Should I give like, it a four? Like I don't know. Four. I, I yeah. can, I'll fuck with a four. Yeah. It's getting a four. <laughs> Okay, I can't go any higher than that in good conscience. No, no. And like the extra points are really for Julia Roberts, Bradley Cooper, Jessica Biel, and Jamie Foxx. Never did I mm -hmm. ever pay attention to Je Jessica Biel and Jamie Foxx's storyline ever, but it was one of my favorites in this watch. Somehow. Jamie Foxx is a great actor. Yeah. I really like him. Totally. Um, well. Well. <laughs> Thank you Happy so Valentine's much. Day. Happy <laughs> I know, I know. I hope your Valentine's Day is better than this movie. Yes, I hope so. You know, if you're having a bad Valentine's Day, it's not as bad as this movie. Yeah, maybe put it on. It'll make you feel better and be like, thank God yeah. I'm not in there. But um, that's not to say that there aren't some golden nuggets in this movie, but as a whole. It's a stinker, yeah. <laughs> not our fave. But if you enjoyed this episode and you want a little more content from us, uh, you can always head over to our Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. You can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod. And you can always send us a good old-fashioned email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. Yes, don't forget to check out our Patreon if you're interested in listening to our Pride and Prejudice episode. Oh, yeah. And we will see you next week for our final Fall in Love February movie. Wow, it's already that time. Crazy. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.